to say today is August the 5th, 2012. The title of the message is The Follow-Through. Fair enough? Mm -hmm. All right, The Follow-Through. So, uh, not something I typically do, but I do have a video that I'm going to show. So, that's kind of exciting. It's three less minutes you guys have to hear me <laughs> preach. All right, but let me, uh, let me read 1 Corinthians 9 first. It's going to kind of break the ice, um, give a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a train of thought towards this video, and then we're going to come back and keep on digging into what the Lord has for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 24. Okay, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They, they, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Right, I bet unless it was your family member, probably nobody in here uh, remembers who won that race. Okay? But there's 65,000 people who remember that man's name. Okay? Because ingrained in him was something that uh, most people don't have. Okay? Unfortunately, we'd like to all say we have it, but until you're laying there in so much pain, there was actually another version of that that was uh, slightly uh, more uh, direct, but... Um, Maybe we'll find that one and show it at another time. But that was the gist of it, okay? A man running a race, all right, um, experiencing the pain and, and uh, tragedy of, of shooting a hamstring out and uh, just distracted. But ingrained in him uh, was something very special. And what I want to bring out today, okay, is this. And I don't know exactly how the Lord will speak. He always speaks uh, it differently to each of us, uh, depending on the season you're in or whatnot. But I really feel like the Lord is going to bring out um, some things or, or something that we have committed our heart to and, and um, just waffled in it and went back on it, okay? God wants to teach us the principle of follow through, and it's very, it's very fundamental, okay? Any athletes in the house? Raise your hand if you're an athlete. For, well, okay. <laughs> Any former athletes in the house, okay? When you're, when you're off for a season and you come back and they... They, uh, you're starting spring training, or, or I didn't play football, so what do you call it? Football two-a-days, okay? When you're starting your two-a-days, what, uh, what do they call the, the basic principles that you get back to? Pain. Okay, pain. <laughs> All right? But in baseball, the fundamentals, okay? It's about, it's about getting back to the basics because if your fundamentals aren't right, then everything else is just going to fall apart, okay? You have to have the fundamentals right. Following through is a very fundamental principle, but it's something that if we don't uh, make sure we're fresh on it, uh, then we forget it. No follow through is very costly. Uh, when a person fails to follow through, and I hear this so, so we understand it, when a person fails to follow through, they negate the entire process that preceded it. They negate the entire process that led up to that moment. If this man doesn't, uh, find it within the core of his being to at least cross the finish line, okay? And what was the purpose of four years of training, okay? He got last place, but he crossed the finish line, 
right. He crossed the finish line. What was the point of those four years if you get to this moment and you give up? Okay? We have to be able to follow through so that we're not just um, wavy and you know floundering around in this world. To be steadfast, to be committed, we have to learn the foundational principle of following through. You take any game you want. Name out a sports game to me. You like boxing, basketball, track, ping pong. That's a good one. Pole vaulting. That was random. Huh? Soccer. Okay. I got golf, baseball, bowling, football, tennis. You name a sport and, and, and you go, go on a website or a Google search, however, however those things work, and you, you type in, teach me, teach me how to play baseball. They're going to take you through these steps. Da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. But when you're pitching, okay, you better follow through because following through helps keep everything in order. It helps, it helps develop consistency. It helps develop dedication. It brings forth your best effort. When you know how to follow through, everything else stays in line. When you swing a bat, you have to follow through. Here is the, the best way I could label this. And so I'll give you guys the... Uh, the, the main nugget, so to speak, and then we're going to dance all around it, and we're going to come back to that main nugget. Because if we walk out of here with one nugget, we've done pretty good. Okay? Okay? To remember most of the scriptures that are thrown out there and most of the concepts, we, we're just looking for something that we can carry from here to there and change the world with it. It's this. Um, following through. It pertains in sports. It pertains in, in our life with Christ. If you don't follow through... You're slowing down at the wrong time. Mm. Okay? That might not make sense, but let me illustrate to you like this. Anybody play golf in here? I played one time, lost every ball and a club. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, right. Every ball and a club. Any uh, any golfers? Like, do I have a golfer in here? Seriously. Okay, you play golf. You've been to the driving range, but no no committed golfers. Bowl, any bowlers? Tennis? Anybody play tennis? Okay. So tennis. It's, it's important to follow through because if you slow down before you impact the ball, that means when you, when you hit it, you don't hit it with as great amount of force as you should have. In baseball, you're torqued up with the bat back, and when you come through, if you're not committed to following through, then what happens is you slow down a little bit. Your follow-through is all of a sudden back here where the ball meets the bat, and you have no pop. You're slowing down too soon. And if we can't follow through, then, then we just we can't make it when seasons get tough, when things get hard. Um, that was kind of a, I'd say, a middle-of-the-road example. You know, man got hamstring pulled. He followed through, toughed it out. Yeah, but that's not life and death, Z. No. And then the examples I just gave you about sports, well, they certainly are, just for the sake of illustration, to show you how vitally important a follow-through is when we're just looking at the, the basic sense of it. How about I read you a story about a, uh, a real testimony? I, I got this off your desk, Matt. I hope you didn't mind me snooping around there. Uh, the unlikely Bible smuggler. This is in your church's um, office. And this is an incredible story. I thought I might like to share it. Um, if you were captured and put in prison and you finally got the chance to escape, what might you do? Be honest. Come on now. Escape. Run. Run like the wind blows. Okay? If people say, why are you running? I'd say, only because I can't fly. Okay? All right? Get this, though. What if, what if God had a mission for you in that prison? You escaped from it. You get out. 
you get a hold of your family. How do you go back? How do you follow through when it's that tough? I mean, say we all right, Zeke, we can all be uh, we can all say, you know, I need to follow through on my jump shot, follow through on my golf swing. If I want to be the best, I better follow through. Okay, well maybe in a track meet I can dig deep and find within the innermost core of who I am uh, a bit of grit and tenacity that other people don't possess. Yeah. But what about if you're in prison and you've been beaten and you've been left in dark rooms for days and days at a time and you get that one chance to escape, would you do what this man did? Would you follow through on God's call and purpose and what he's told you to do? Even if it's hard, even if it's inconvenient, this is meant to encourage you guys. So uh, don't look at me all sad face. When, my, when I came back after offseason, coach like, Man, your elbow's out. You're not following through. Spencer did it to me just a couple days ago, chewing me out for not proper form. But he wanted me to follow through because he wanted me to make the shot so that we could win. Okay? I want us to follow through so that we can go out here and change the world. That's my only motive for bringing this forth. Okay? The unlikely Bible smuggler. I'm going to read it. Uh, before he came to Christ, Bound Chan was an assistant director governor for the communists in Laos. After becoming a Christian, he couldn't stop sharing the gospel. He knew little about his new faith, but he knew how to point people to God. Authorities repeatedly warned Bao Chan before eventually arresting him in 1999 and sentencing him to 15 years in prison. Okay? 15 years. This is his words. They put me in stocks, they spread my legs apart. They also put handcuffs on me. They were afraid that I would escape. They put me in handcuffs and even put smaller ones on my thumbs. Then they put me in a black room without food for seven days. Okay? When authorities did offer Bound Chan food and drink, he refused to take it, fearful that it could be poisoned. I had to be careful, he says, because I knew that my life was valuable for God and for his ministry. He explained. Bound Chan survived only because of the guards secretly bringing him rice. He was locked in a cell by himself for a year without a Bible. His stone and concrete cell had one large metal door with a small rust hole that provided his only ventilation. He says, I would stand up and put my nose to the hole and breathe. He asked the guard who brought his food to send a message to his wife. Tell my wife, would you please help me? Bring me a Bible. I cannot live without my Bible. After a year in solitary confinement, Bound Chan was put to work carrying firewood and clearing rice fields. When he grew tired, his guards would put a gun on his back and mockingly say, Call to the Lord to come and help you. Shout to the Lord to give you strength. He gathered firewood for 10 of his 13 years in prison. Eventually, the guards trusted Bound Chan enough to let him gather firewood alone. In July or August 2007, they allowed him two or three hours to gather wood by a nearby stream that was flooded. I knew the routine, he said. On the first day, I collected enough firewood for two days. Mm -hmm. On the second day, I swam through the flooded stream, ran to my house, mm -hmm. took five Bibles, and ran back. <laughs> okay? We want to learn a lesson on follow-through. Listen to this guy. I swam through the flooded stream. I ran to my house, took five Bibles, and ran straight back. I hid the Bibles, then carried the firewood back to the camp. 
One day, the guards discovered a Bible in Bao Chan's bag. They took him to the office and forced him to read it aloud to the guards. After I read for a while, I stopped and said, Oh, I cannot finish it all in one day, but if you want to know more, I'll tell you. The guards began to treat him with more respect. But one week later, they were all replaced. Yeah. Although, he, although he didn't get that Bible back, Bao Chan kept another buried in the room where he slept. He also smuggled in small radios wrapped in large leaves when he brought back firewood. I read my Bible every day, and I listened to the Christian radio. The Bible and the radio helped him grow in faith. One day, the guards discovered the Bible and radio and confiscated them. But Bao Chan simply smuggled more into his cell. During his 13 years in prison, Bao Chan owned six Bibles. His toughest years were those when he didn't have a Bible. In January 2012, the chief of the prison told him, Your family is so strong in their faith that Christianity has spread everywhere. That is why you remain here. We will not let you out because your family still spreads the gospel. If you want to be released, go back home, drink, play, and join the Communist Party like us. Don't live like you have. Stop believing in your faith or you will remain poor. <laughs> Bao Chen replied, If you stop worshiping the semen idol... If you stop worshiping the gold or bronze idol, then I will stop worshiping my God. You won't stop. Why do you force me to stop? Mm. Bao Chen was released one month later on February the 2nd, 2012, two years before his sentence was complete. Before he left the prison, uh, the chief warned him not to share his faith or communicate with others. This 64-year-old saint was now back with his family. Even in prison, I knew that God was with me. I knew that he, what he had done for me on the cross, Bao Chan said. It is greater than what I have been through in prison. Bao Chan has this poignant message for Christians in the West. And uh, now we can assume that he's speaking to us. Okay? So this is from Bao Chan to us. Y'all ready? Yes. Thank you to my brothers and sisters in America, Canada, and many other countries for your faithful prayer. I know that I am still alive today because of your faithful prayer. I am now sharing my testimony because of your powerful prayer. Please pray for my country, Laos. Pray that everyone accepts Jesus Christ because I know that nothing is worthy in this life except becoming a Christian and following Jesus Christ. I know how hard life is, but I want to encourage believers in America to be strong in their faith. I know many Americans have not accepted Jesus Christ yet, but you have the freedom to proclaim Jesus and share the gospel. Go evangelize in the name of Jesus because you can. You have the right to read the Bible, to pray, and to go to church. Please do that. You think about, you think about that, that ability to follow through there. I can't say that in the midst of such turmoil that I would run from, a, from the cell of a prison, run through flooded streams, open my door, look my wife in the eyes and say, hand me the Bibles, i got to go back. Mm. Okay? I don't know that I would do that. In fact, you know, I'd say it's 60-40. <laughs> okay? I can't tell you. Until <laughs> I get 100%, I better... 60 that I would come back. Hey, we got to get there, guys. Yeah. That's the point. How are we going to stand in the midst of situations like that when the, the direct commandments that God asks us, the things that we commit our hearts to, we, we uh, you know, shift like a shadow in them. 
We got to get good in the little to get good in the big. God wants to talk to us today about the fundamental issue of follow through. If you don't follow through, you're slowing down at the improper time, therefore not achieving everything that is capable. Uh, oftentimes we enthusiastically commit our hearts to something that God asks us to do. We say, God has us doing this. God has asked us to do this. God has asked us to do that. And just a short time later, it's gone. Where'd it go? Did he quit asking? I know the number one response to that is, Zeke, that's just a season. That was just a season for me. And I am not speaking about those things uh, that God takes you through seasons in. He takes you through seasons with your family. He takes you through seasons with work. He takes you through these different seasons. But let's forget all that for a moment because ultimately that's going to be, be between you and God. None of us can answer for what His specific calling is for your life. But what if we just got very practical and said that, there, that this scripture is loaded with things that there is no season. There's no seasonal thing. It's no seasonal thing that God wants us to be in our word daily. It's no seasonal thing that we should be steadfastly praying, relentlessly warring on behalf of our brothers and sisters around the world. When this guy thinks the American church, I feel bad because I didn't pray for him one time. Mm. I didn't pray for him one time, nor anybody like him, really. Mm. Okay? What are the things in the scripture that it's not, um, it's not an option? It's not something you say, well, that was a season, now it's come and gone. What are the things that we need to be steadfastly focused in uh, so that we can follow with a measure of consistency and dedication that does not permit this wishy-washy, on-again, off-again mentality? Man, I'm on today. Fired up today. Next Sunday, dead as a doornail. Just beat all to pieces. Why is it so wishy-washy? And I'm talking to me too. Why is it, why is it that I'm so fired up? You know, every time Steve preaches, I get, I get deeply moved. I've heard him preach twice. I get deeply, deeply moved in my spirit to examine the scriptures more. Okay? Hey, I got another journal like this at home. I'm the cheapest of sinners is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm getting ready to illustrate to you. I got another journal just like this at home that I, that I started. And it says Genesis at the top. And I started because when Steve spoke, I was like, that's it, man. I got to dig into the Word. Well, Genesis is big, so you may not you know, blame me that I'm still in the book of Genesis. <laughs> but would you blame me if I was still in the first chapter? Mm. And this has been a year ago? Mm. Okay? Because it's hard to follow through. It's difficult to follow through. It's kind of like the word diet. Y'all like the word diet? Okay. The word diet, hey, as good as they are, man, okay, it still implies the act that you're going to go on something that you're going to come off of. Okay. You're going to go on something that you will eventually come off of if, if you call it a diet. I mean, we could, we could nitpick over specific definitions, but... The typical thought of a diet is, I'm going on this, and, you know, I will be off of it soon at some point. Instead of calling it like a, a different lifestyle or something like that. I just use that to illustrate it. Why does it seem like there's times where my Christian walk seems like a diet? Why does it seem like a diet? Like, I'm on it now. And, buddy, when I feel like things get straight and tightened up a little bit, let it go. 
It can't be that way. It's a lifestyle. God wants us to follow through. Amen. He wants us to follow through so that we're not slowing down at improper times. We're getting to this time, we're slowing down. No, no, no. We've got to follow through. We've got to be willing to pick ourselves up off the track and run one leg into the line because that's what we train for. Absolutely. we got to be willing to swing through the ball yeah. and hit it with all of our might. And we got to be willing to escape the, the claws of the enemy, run and get what God wants us, and be willing to dive right back into it if that's what he wants us to do. How do we get there? You start in the little. We start in the little. If I can't keep a diligent reading plan, the odds of me escaping the prison, getting Bibles, and coming back are slim to none. They're slim to none. If I can't consistently get up and pray for, for hours in the morning like God is uh, asking me to do, there's slim to none chance that I'll go into the city of Houston and make little impact. Hmm. Nothing. The commercial that comes on the Olympics, I haven't eaten dessert in two years. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched TV in two years, you know. These Olympians, man, they're crazy. It's like I'm, I'm sitting there watching the Olympics thinking, you know, I, I enjoy watching it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm thinking, you know, Lord, they didn't get there sitting here. You know, they didn't get there sitting where I'm at, man. And, and I got a different Olympic race that I'm called to. But I need to rise up and do it and be diligent. Be diligent with what God asked him. Follow through. All right, let's get into a scripture here. Um, I want to go to Acts chapter 6. What I'm going to do is I plan on just highlighting a few examples um, where, um, where you can see a relentless and tenacious attitude to follow through. And what I want to say in encouragement to everybody is that it's in you. I know you might be sitting in that chair wondering, this isn't for me. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, there's something beating in your heart that makes you want to follow through. It makes you want to rise up and, 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 and share his glory in a way that it makes the enemy just hate you. There's, there's something in you. It's ingrained in you somewhere. And just has to be pulled out and cultivated a little bit. Okay? If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior in this room, there is something beating in your heart right now that, that you have the ability to follow through. It's in you. You want to have it pulled out today? Yes. I do. I want to be able to follow through. I don't want anything to distract me. When is it hard to follow through? Come on, JJ, football, man. When's it hard to follow through? When you're tired. Dustin, fourth quarter when it's late in the game. Okay? What else? When's it hard to follow through? When you're getting your butt kicked. Now, I can relate to that one because that happened a lot. You know? Slaughter rule. I know I'm very familiar with the slaughter rule. Okay? When is it hard to follow through? When you're tired? When you're down? What about when you're injured? You ever feel beat up a little bit? It makes it hard to follow through, doesn't it, Rick? It's hard to follow through when you're, when you're beat up, okay? Uh, what about when you just don't know? Because you've never learned the fundamentals. You don't know that when you're pitching, you better bring that back leg over so you keep everything square and in the strike zone. You just don't know. You're, you're just flailing it because you don't know. Is that possible? Yeah. Is it possible that there's people in this room who don't even know how to follow through? I think so. I think there's people in this room who uh, are, are so injured that they feel like it's impossible for them to follow through. I feel like there's people in here that are so baffled and confused by what God's trying to do and orchestrate in their life that they don't know how to follow through. It's, it's all of us. All of them fit uh, when you're defeated. 
at the end of the fourth quarter when the whistle blows and you've lost. It makes you feel like, what's the point in following through? We have to follow through because if we don't, we slow down at improper time and we don't perform the way God designed us to perform. We have to follow through. You're in the book of Acts chapter 6? Yes. All right, we'll read a little bit. This is Stephen. This happened, this is, a, um, I like this passage of scripture. What you'll have to do is read 6 and go home and read 7 and uh, try to write, you know, your best theological attempt at a paper on it. You know, I wrote like a, a quite a quite a big paper on this chapter once. I don't even want to go back and read it because I'm sure I who, who knows what I said. Okay, but it's so interesting. It's so peculiar. And I want you to read it when you go home. We're not going to dig into it today because it could get me off of what I, of what I feel like the Lord is trying to hammer home here. Follow through, follow through. Um, but it's it's very peculiar. The only point I want to illustrate is that here stands a, ma a great man of God. Okay. And then stands his opponent, and you watch what he says. It's going to be very similar to this, only only tougher terms. Uh, go to chapter 6, and I'm just going to start in verse 1. It says, At this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a uh, complaint came up on part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, Is it not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men. I want you to hear this description of him, because this is Stephen, okay? We're going to start talking about Stephen. Um, select seven men, good reputation, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of the task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry and to the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. So not only did they set out in the forefront to say, we're picking men that are full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and have a good what? Reputation. Reputation. Those are the kind of men we want. To even go beyond that, they said, you know what? Now we're committing this thing to some serious prayer before we decide. So when you read that the first man selected was um, Stephen, you can assume that he was a pretty noteworthy guy, right? Full of faith, full of power. What goes on to say more about him? Let's go to let's go to verse eight of the same chapter. It says Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Okay, what do you know about Stephen? He's full of grace. He's full of what? Power. power. He was performing what? Miracles. Great miracles, great signs, great wonders among the people. He's doing it. God is working through this man. He's doing great and mighty things. Some of the men um, from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia, Cilicia and Asia rose up and they argued with Stephen. But they were unable to cope with his wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Stephen was full of what? Grace, power, wisdom, spirit. They secretly induced men to say, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So what we have here, guys, is, a, is not only an innocent, but a very powerful man of God. He's going around, he's doing great and mighty things for the kingdom. Um, no fault in that if you ask me, okay? A mighty, mighty warrior of God. And, and um, you know, an apparent injustice is about ready to be done as they get men to, to speak evil against him. And then he is brought before the high priest. Okay? Now, what you, you flip to chapter 7, if you have to flip a page, mine's on the same page. They take him before the high priest, 
and they ask him, is this so? What do you say when you're standing before the very people who want to take your life? If we could be honest, none of us are in that position, but what would you say? I mean, honestly, if we could put ourselves there. You, you're preaching the gospel with power and might, signs and wonders taking place all over the, all over the place. And somebody captures you, takes you before the high priest, and you stand there. What might your plea be? Not guilty. Spare me. I, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to provoke good. Okay? I, I certainly would. I would try everything I could. At least I'm about 80-20 I would. Okay? About 80-20 on that. I would try. to say, look, I, I'm preaching the good news of Jesus. I am helping your community, taking and changing people's lives, and they're, they're, they're good for the community. If you take time to read chapter 7, and hey, if God puts it on your heart, go home and do it. If not, you know, uh, you'll miss a good nugget. Uh, chapter 7, he goes on just this, this unbelievable defense. Mm -hmm. he, goes from, he goes from talking about um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just goes off preaching to him, man. The whole chapter is filled with it. I won't read it because you'll get lost in my, uh, my uh, just pronunciating it to you. Go read it and dig into it. God's got something in that. I didn't know exactly why he had me flip to this, but there's something in that, guys. Dig into it. He goes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying uh, about their life. He goes through and talks about... Um, you know, Moses in the wilderness, he goes through and talks about his forefathers in the tabernacle. He talks about David. This is lengthy. And this is a lengthy thing before the high priest. He doesn't say, hey, I'm making, I'm making this community a better place. Give me a break. Give me a break. I'll tone it down a little bit. Give me a break. He says, these, these are my forefathers. This is what they did. We are here because of them. And then at the end, you want to hear the uh, kind of the conclusion of what he says? He softens up on them a little bit. He says, you men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart. Your ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. I'm in verse 51. You are doing just as your fathers did. Okay? Maybe that's the point of it all, to highlight that, that you know, the heritage was pure. And look, they're, they're doing just like what their forefathers did. He asked them, which one of you prophets, which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You have received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you did not keep it. You did not keep it. This is a man who knows how to follow through. Okay? Did he deserve it? No. What did he do wrong? He's performing signs and wonders. He's captured. He stands before the high priest, and he gives him a heck of a sermon, and then he says, you're stiff-necked and you're uncircumcised. You don't get it. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. And to top it all off, if you don't really believe what the core of chapter 7 uh, says, because I haven't read it, and you'll get to when you go home tonight, hopefully. But in 54, what he said obviously must have been pretty potent because they, they were cut to the heart, and they began gnashing their teeth. They were mad, man. They were mad at Stephen. But him, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed up into heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. They drug him out, and they stoned him, Stephen the martyr. Full of grace, full of power, full of wisdom. If he doesn't know how to stand in chapter 7, what good is chapter 6? What good is chapter 6 if Stephen stands in chapter 7 and doesn't follow through? 
I'm telling you, we can't stop short. We can't stop or slow down at an improper time. If we don't follow through, we miss it. We miss it, guys. Chapter 6 is no good without chapter 7. The, a, a friend of mine uh, named Leo Kennan, he, he told me uh, one time, he always gives me these little nuggets of advice. Um, I guess he thinks I need them. Yeah. <laughs> he says, Z, know where you're going to stand before you have to stand there. Amen. Okay? And when I look at Stephen, I know that. Amen. I can read from chapter 6. I have no doubt that this man in chapter 7 is going to follow through. But what about us? People see our life. Can they see our devotion in little things? And so they know, hey, when big things come, it ain't going to bother him. And it ain't going to bother Matthew when that happens because he's faithful in this. He will follow through. People have to see it in the little, guys. We have to do it in the little. Forget what people see. We have to do it in the little if we're going to do it in the big. God wants us to follow through. So I'm going to transition now um, to Matthew 27. You'll go with me there. Uh, Matthew 27. You think of, you know, some examples could come to mind where uh, in the scriptures where somebody didn't follow through. You know, you think about Jonah. He went to Nineveh. God did his thing, right? But would you consider the end of Jonah's life a pretty good follow through? You know, he kind of sat underneath a, you know, a rotting plant and the wind come along and scorched him. I don't, you know, I don't want to follow through like that. God got his work done. So be it. But, uh, you think of Jeremiah. Anybody know in Jeremiah chapter 20, kind of the little the little tirade he goes on? What does he say? I'll tell you so nobody has to feel like they're on the spot. I'm always afraid Eric's going to be like, what does that say? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremiah chapter 20, curses the day I was born. Man, I basically, and, and if I can just sum it up in my terms, it's in scripture, it's like, Man, I can't stand the man who came and told my daddy that I was born. Mm. Curses my mother's womb, whatever. Go read it so you, for, for accuracy's sakes, but that's the gist of it. Okay? Mm. But right in the middle of there, chapter 20, he says this. I'm not going to speak of him anymore. That sounds like defeat, doesn't it? Mm. It sounds like defeat, guys, because what, what God wants to know is it is hard. It is difficult. I'm not going to speak of his name anymore. I am done. Not, not a single verse goes by where you don't hear him say, but there is a fire burning in me and it's shut up in my bones yeah. and I can't keep quiet. Yeah. So when it gets hard, there is a tendency to say, you know what, I can't follow through. I can't do it. This is too difficult. But we have to have ingrained in our core something that rebukes that instantly and says, nope, this fire is too hot. Amen. It is welling up in me, and I can't help but share it. So I'm going to have to follow through because I don't have any options. We need to get to that place, guys. Not that we're always going to be invincible to trials. They come. They hurt. They hurt bad. There's trials going on in this room that are massive. They're massive. Okay? Are we going to follow through? Are we going to follow through and trust in God's word? So Matthew 27, okay? Matthew 27. This little statement I wanted to say. Um, that we're so dedicated in our fundamentals that we don't know how not 
to follow through. Okay? So dedicated in the fundamentals that we don't know how not to follow through. What's well, muscle memory, Matt? Yeah, so if, uh, if you're working out or things like that, you got, you know, if you, if you um, right, back to baseball, whatever, your you're good hand, your right hand, cut the lights off, put a spoon of peanut butter in your hand, and go try to get that thing in your mouth with your left hand if you're right-handed. Okay, it's hard. You try it. If you think I'm crazy, go home, get a spoon of peanut butter, go in the bathroom, pick your weak hand, and try to get it in your mouth. It's awkward. There's a thing called muscle memory. Your, your right hand, because it's so worked, it's so cultivated, it will get that spoon of peanut butter to your mouth every time, okay? Muscle memory. Muscle memory, okay? We have to, we have to apply that spiritually. Yes. We have to be so rooted in the fundamental of following through that we don't know how not to. Amen. Amen. We don't know how not to. Matthew 27. Of course, you guys know I'm going to use Jesus as an example because he's the greatest example we got. Yes. Okay? Matthew 27, 46. Um, speaking of terminology, that's what we're talking about. People say, oh man, you know, it's hard. Jesus almost gave up. In verse 46, he's, um, um, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't get through the mockery of a trial. He didn't get through the, the, the absolute um, torturous uh, beatings. He didn't get through all of that mockery and shame and being spat upon and have a crown of thorns mashed on his head, the humiliation. He didn't go through all that to get to this point and say, God, you've given up on me. I quit. This is, this is demonstrating that it's hard. It's hard. But you know the final story. Relentless. Didn't know how to give up. Didn't know how not to follow through. The example, if we want to draw from that, is Jesus. Okay? It's Jesus. He didn't know how not to follow through. And if you think he was actually thinking about giving up here, you forget the little swift rebuke he gave to Peter when he sliced off Malchus's ear, don't you? Don't you know that at any moment, at the snap of my fingers, I could have 72,000 angels right here? You don't need to intervene in this. Jesus was following through. He knew his purpose here. He had no intentions of taking the easy way out. He had no intentions of, of quitting when it got tough. Even though he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? His, uh, it was ingrained in him as, as the God-man mm. to follow through with his purpose on this earth. Mm. Are we going to walk that out, guys? Mm. Are we going to walk that out? I want to contrast this just for a few moments. Um, 12 o'clock. Um, just for a few moments. Um, following through. What's the opposite of follow through? Stopping. stopping. And what do you associate stopping with? Quitting. Quitting. Okay. I don't know why I just asked those questions. It didn't pertain to me. <laughs> uh, but I'm, gonna, I'm flipping back here for just a second. The opposite of follow through. The opposite of follow through is quitting. The opposite of follow-through is giving up. The opposite of follow-through is slowing down at the wrong time. Flatlining. Okay? You flatline. And I call that the plateau effect. Mm. It saddens me to, to look at my own life at times and then to, uh, not to judge others, but just look at the fruit and say, man, 
what kind of plateau is going on here? People climbing, 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 climbing. Man, I got there. God's happy with me, and this happens. Boom. Straight across the plateau. You know that saying, it's lonely at the top? Well, it's crowded on the plateau. <laughs> it's mighty crowded on the plateau, guys, and we got to get off of that thing. We have got to get off the plateau. That, that kickback, taking it easy, like Luke 12. Let me, you know, what am I going to do? My barns are full. Let me tear down and build bigger barns. And then he says, well, let me kick back and just eat, drink, and be merry. That mentality, which is driven by laziness, it's driven by the desire for comfort, it's driven by deception, that can't happen. The plateau effect is devastating on all levels. Um, you think about it just from a marriage perspective. I'm going to use me and Kathleen, for example. Is that all right, Kat? I'll make it a good one. All right? You think about, you think about a, a dating relationship. We've got people dating in here. I mean, there's this, there's this enthusiasm to just make them happy and to see them love you more. You know what I'm saying? Or y'all just looking at me like you've never done that? No. This, 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 this desire... Yeah, I'm going to get somebody in some serious trouble. <laughs> the desire to... The desire to win them. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. The desire of that man to win that woman. I'll tell you a story. Yeah. Okay? I shared this um, some time ago, so I hope it's not repeated. But um, when I was dating Kathleen... Okay, which has been many years ago now. All right, she was all into uh, cleaning teeth. Kind of weird. <laughs> she liked to clean teeth. All right. Well, we were in a, a CVS store back in the country, and she seen these uh, teeth cleaning utensils. <laughs> and I just, from a distance, I seen her looking at them. I mean, it's fairly odd, but I loved her even then. <laughs> um, and <laughs> she was looking at them utensils and thinking. You know, just, she liked them. So I just tucked it away. And when I got out of, uh, I was a senior in high school. Got out, 12 o'clock, didn't go to work. Told Dad, I can't go to work. Okay? I drove all the way to that store, which was probably, was it an hour away? 45 minutes. I'm trying to stretch it to make myself sound sweeter than I am. <laughs> 45 minutes. I drove. And I picked them utensils up, and I drove back. And I said, look what I got. Come on, some ladies, all. <laughs> that was sweet. <laughs> but my zeal, my zeal to let her know that I loved her and that I was pursuing her heart, it meant something to me. You know, you you got to fight against plateauing on all levels. You get married six, seven years later, you know, lucky to stop and get her a thing of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and I still love her and want to treat her like a queen. But that plateau is scary ground. It is. It's scary ground because you lose that desire to pursue. That's the opposite of following through. We can't plateau. Don't plateau. Fight it. It's lonely at the top, but meet me there. We'll hang out. It's lonely at the top, but it's crowded on the plateau. Stay That's off it. of that thing. That's right. Flatlining. Flatlining is only associated with death. We don't go. We don't stay in the middle. We either go forwards or we go backwards. 
You're either going forwards or you're going backwards. The plateau is dangerous. It's exactly contrary to following through. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. Amen. Okay, let's go to uh, Genesis 22. All right. Genesis 22, and I'm not going to inundate you with scriptures. Genesis 22 is actually my last scripture. Genesis 22. Amen. I just upped my scriptures by 10. <laughs> Genesis 22. Y'all remember what Stephen spoke about? We didn't really read it. I, I wish we would have read a little more. But Genesis, uh, in Acts 7, he's talking about Abraham. Like Abraham left the home of his forefathers. Then Abraham believed for, for a son that, you know, all those promises. You read it. Acts 7 is really interesting. Okay? I mean, let's just be real here. Is it hard to pick up and leave your home. We got someone here to do it. Is it hard? Yeah. It's, hard it's hard. We actually have a whole church that's done that. Yes. Is it hard to pack up and leave your home? Yes. It's hard. Is it hard to, to go to a land where you don't even know nobody? Yes. Is it hard to believe God for promises that you can't see yet? Yes. Yes. They're, they're hard, right? How much faith do you think it takes to believe those? A lot. A lot? Yeah. I'd say a little, just to be contrary. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't think it took much faith for Abraham to believe that when compared to Genesis 22. Mm. Okay? But he was so diligent to follow through in the little. And I want to watch, I want us to see his follow through on that mountain. I want us to not look at this like it's some kind of a fairy tale. Like, man, Abraham was cool. He was awesome. That's powerful stories. This thing is real. Your forefather, Abraham, you get talking about our children, you're talking about a whole new level of sensitivity. Take my life, please. Take it. But don't touch my babies, please. You're talking about a whole new level of faith, a whole new level. A friend of mine, his name is Donnie Whitlock. Um, I know him, rather. Um, he's a missionary to Indonesia, floats Bibles in and out of that place. Just, man, great man of God. And he, he was sharing stories with me one time at a meeting. And, uh, you know, just crazy stuff, man. Stuff you hear, but you're like, well, kind of glad I'm, you know, Preaching in America today. But am I really glad about that? Yes, because it's what God's ordained me to be. Um, talking about, you know, big snakes biting his son. Talking about, um, the one he was talking about was this. He was held hostage in, uh, in Thailand for five or six days. He was held hostage. And I said, man, you know, your family's back here. In the, in the States because his family was with him most of the time. But your family's back home. What, what goes through your mind? Is that hard when you're held hostage in Thailand for five days? He's like, that was a piece of cake. That was easy. You know what was hard, Z? When my son was kidnapped from me in Thailand twice. Oh, man. And it took me two days to get him back. Wow. He's like, that's hard. Because I don't... I'm hostage, oh well. But when they kidnapped my son... That was the most difficult thing in my life. Mm. 
So think about that as, as you process what we're getting ready to read in Genesis 22. Think about that. It's hard to leave our homes and our families, yeah. It's hard to believe God for a promise that's, that's not yet seen, yeah. It's hard to, to um, you know, go to, go to a land where we don't even know anybody, an unknown land. But those were little demonstrations of follow-through compared to this gigantic demonstration of follow-through. So we've already, we, hey, we know the story. So we'll go to Genesis 22. Abraham's taking him up the mountain. We'll, go, we'll pick up in verse 9. Then they came to the place which God had told him. Remember, Abraham's got his son. Okay, keep that pressure in your mind as you read this. They came to the place which God had told him. Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood, bound his son, laid him on the altar, stretched out his hand, took the knife. What do you honestly think that was like? What do you honestly think that, that your and my potential follow-through was there? Even, even if you made it to the top of the mountain, even if you managed to muster up the faith to get to the top of the mountain, what about building the altar? Mm. You're building an altar to put your son on. Think about that. If you made it past building the altar... What's going through your mind as you're arranging the wood? Mm. If you can get past arranging the wood, what's going through your mind as you grab your son and bind him up? Mm. Heaven knows if we can make it past that point, what is entering our spirit and our heart as we lay him on the altar on top of the wood? How do you feel when you stretch out your hand and then what goes to your mind as you pick up the knife? You tell me, when did following through occur? Hmm. When did submission, when did obedience occur? You can make an argument that building the altar is an act of obedience. Absolutely, I'll agree with you. You can make an argument that, that building the altar, arranging the wood, that's, those are obedience. Yeah, building the altar, arranging the wood, binding his son, landing him on the altar, those are all acts of obedience. But I'm telling you, if Abraham would have stopped short at any moment of that encounter, he would have fallen short of following through. Abraham didn't follow through. The angel did not speak. Think about that. The angel did not speak until what? Until the knife was in his hand. And you don't think following through is important? I know you do. I know you think it's important, and I certainly do too. That's not the real issue, is it? I think we would all agree that following through is important. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, but that's not the issue. The issue is, are we going to do it? Are we going to follow through? God asks us to get up and eat this word. There's certain things, guys, that are, that are you know, a little bit more... Um, God's calling in your life, you know, it's hard for me to say, hey, God called you to that, you do it forever, because he might shift you to another season. I'm not even touching that today. I'm touching this, love your neighbor as yourself. Read this word. 
pray, fast, the Great Commission. I'm touching things that, that there is no um, gray area. It's black and white. It's here. It's not something that we can debate over or claim a season over. There's just a season for me to read the Bible that much. That's not, that's not the word. It's just a season for me to pray like that. That's not this. Are we going to follow through with what we know He's asked us to do? The reason we need to get it right is because we got to get ready for the championship. Mm. Amen. we got to get ready to perform at a high level because it's battle. It's a fight. It's a fight going on every day. And I can tell you, somehow, I don't know how he gets it, but the enemy is always revved up, ready to go. He's passionate about seeing you dead. Yeah. He's just passionate about it. He's got, he's got a lot of power, but he's so weak compared to what beats in us. So weak and feeble compared to what flows through our veins. Are we going to follow through? Are we going to follow through, avoid the plateau? And um, uh, before I finish, I wanted to give like a little charge, okay? Um, just these questions I wrote down in the little room there. What in your life needs follow through? So as you stand here looking at me, I'll be transparent. I need to be up eating this word more and pray like it's my last day. Amen. I know what God's requiring of my family and I, and if I don't step up and do that, it won't get done. Amen. I won't, I won't do, I won't fulfill God's calling in my life, in my family's life, watching the Olympics. Although I do plan to finish them out. Okay, and that was the wrong time to make that joke. But I, 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 there's nothing wrong with you guys get my heart here. I'm not saying you watch the Olympics, you're missing it. I'm saying. I'm not going to accomplish anything by being entertained. Yeah, yeah. I have to get my heart before the Lord. I know what He's asking of us. Yeah. I'm very clear on it. Yeah. But I'm not going to get there sleeping in. I'm not going to get there, you know, dieting. If that makes sense. Alright, and so what in your life needs follow through? There's mine. I laid it before you. That's me, guys. God says, I'll get there, but i gotta, I got to yearn for Him. i got to be up on my knees crying out for Him. That's me. And I'll follow through in it. What in your life needs follow through? What does He ask you to do relating to your commitment to reading your Scripture? Remember, I'm not talking about seasons He's taking you through. I know there's people in here going through different seasons uh, relating to jobs, relating to families. I know that. Then let Him speak to you on that too. Follow through. If He speaks it to you, follow through. I'm talking um, commitments that you've made to Him concerning your, your devotion to um, being intimate with Him and your relationship with Him. What in your life needs follow through? And then lastly, this would be a charge. See if somebody does it this week, if God identifies it. What in your life makes you plateau? What in your life makes you level out? Is it comfort? Is it money? Whatever makes you plateau, drop it. See what happens. Okay? And line it up with the Word. Make sure you're right in it. Because the last thing I want anybody to do in here is uh, take something that God meant for good and make it ignorant. Well, my, my spouse makes me plateau, so I'm dropping them. That's ignorant. <laughs> I want you to figure out in your life the flesh what makes you plateau and drop it 
If a hundred thousand dollars in the bank makes me plateau, I need to drop it. Yeah. And that doesn't apply here, so <laughs> drop it. Drop it. Drop it. See what happens. Give God a week to try. I, I've plateaued because of this. And I'm gonna drop that thing. Watch God do mighty things in your life. What do you rely on more than you rely on him? Drop it. And so you rely on him. Okay? That's follow through. Um, so here's what I wrote this week. Commit to leaving the ever so popular plateau. Put yourself out there. Let God lift you up as you humble yourself before him. Um, I had a few things I wanted to read. And then I'll be done. Um, Dustin shared this uh, song with me yesterday as I was telling him, hey, I'm talking about following through. I just gave him a little insight. He's like, man, Casting Crowns has a neat song about following through. I'm not sure how old it is. I'm not even sure what it was. I just wanted the course, and I wanted to read it to you. Um, this may serve as our invitation, whatever. God, let him do what he wants to do, okay? But if we're going to get this mentality that says, to the last ounce of blood is ripped from my body, I'll serve Jesus. We got to follow through in this, the little. Follow through in the little, and get to the big. Follow through. You start. You start making it a fundamental practice in your life. Okay, wait a minute. Um, I said I was going to do this, and now this has come up. But I think this is a time where God is saying, "Follow through," and I'm going to do it. What the man at the jail was testifying, he said. The Lord told me every day at these two hours I need to be reading my Bible. And my son was over and we were watching a movie, so I thought, okay, Lord, it was all up on him. This is not right, but I'm going to watch the movie. So the storm came, knocked the power out, and he couldn't read his Bible for eight hours. Uh. You know, and to him, not saying, you know, God dropped judgment on him, saying to him, that was God's voice to him. Follow through. What you say, do it. Start in the little, and that way when you're standing... Um, maybe maybe there's somebody in here who's going to escape from a jail and smuggle Bibles back in. You'll be able to do it because you follow through in the little. Okay, uh, this is the uh, this is the uh, verse, course or verse, course. Okay, casting crowns. It says, "I cry like so many times before, but my eyes are dry." before I leave the floor. <laughs> oh Lord, I try, but this time, Jesus, how can I be sure I will not lose my follow-through <laughs> between the altar and the door? Mm. And that is, that is quite loud. Mm. That is loud. Man, it just got me to thinking if we could carry our convictions 20 feet, we change the world. Amen. If we could carry them 10 feet, we could change the world. We could carry them 30 feet, wherever you're at in the room. My point is this. If we could carry them, not my point, their point, God gave it to them, I'm piggybacking off of it. If we could carry what God gives us in, in moments like this or at an altar where we're crying, if we could pick it up and just get it out that door, we would change the world. We would change the world. Follow through. It pertains in sports. This is that nugget. Carry it with you. Told you I'd come back to it and I have. 
that pertains to sports and it pertains to our life in Christ, if you don't follow through, you are slowing down at the wrong time. If you don't follow through, if you don't follow through, if you don't follow through, you're slowing down at the wrong time. We're going to make it through the things that, that God has said we will need to endure. And we're going to fight in the little and be consistent so that the very core of who we are does not know how to not follow through. Amen.